KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, February 23rd. How last month's flooding is impacting voting. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Former SDSU punter Matt Isa is back in the NFL nearly two years after a rape accusation sidelined his career. According to a post yesterday on X by Isa's agency, the punter has signed with the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. In 2022, when Isa was a punter for the Buffalo Bills, he and three others were accused of raping a 17-year-old girl in 2021. The alleged incident happened at a house party near SDSU when he was a punter on the Aztecs football team. The San Diego County District Attorney's Office did not file charges against any of the accused, citing a lack of evidence. Baseball is back! The Padres kicked off their spring training yesterday, but the start of the training season wasn't what the team hoped for. They lost their first game 14-1 against the L.A. Dodgers. Both teams will play again today at the Dodgers Spring Training Stadium in Glendale. That game starts at 12.08 in the afternoon. Looking ahead to the regular MLB season, the Padres' home opener will be on March 28th against the San Francisco Giants. It's going to feel a bit warmer today across the county. The National Weather Service says temperatures are expected to be above normal for this time of year. It'll be the warmest in the inland areas and deserts, with temperatures jumping to the high 70s. By the coast, temps will be in the mid-60s, and in the mountains, it'll be in the low 60s. Over the weekend, the weather will be pretty similar to what we're feeling today, but forecasters say that may change overnight on Sunday, with a chance of more rain and cooler temps going into the new week. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. A local community organization that helps mobilize voters is facing added challenges after last month's flooding. Reporter Melissa May says Alliance San Diego is working through flood damage to get people to the polls. Normally, leading up to Election Day, Alliance San Diego is busy contacting residents about voting resources. And they're still doing that, but the January flooding has submerged some of their operations. Alliance San Diego's executive director, Andrea Guerrero, talks about their biggest challenge of getting people to vote right now. We're very concerned about the communities we serve, having the information they need in order to go vote. Right now, they're worried about a roof over their head, and so I can understand that. But they're also um, not at their place of residence to receive the information about the election. On top of this, Itza Maganda Chavez, Alliance's Civic Engagement Director, says even if you don't have access to your mail-in ballot, you can still make your vote count. Vote at a voting center starting this Saturday. Folks can vote at certain voting centers until Election Day. And then starting March 2nd, they could actually vote at more than 200 voting centers across the county. 
To learn more about your voting options and to find a voting center near you, go to sdvote.com. Melissa May, KPBS News. Dozens of students from San Diego Unified High Schools have just accepted a challenge to find solutions to critical problems in their communities. Education reporter M.G. Perez says it's part of a national academic competition. The Aspen Challenge gets its name from the Aspen Institute, originally founded in Colorado as a nonprofit organization committed to social justice and equity programs. Now it's international, and this week the challenge came to San Diego, where high school students from 19 San Diego Unified campuses are teamed up to solve big problems, immigration, climate change, and mental health support for children. Nicholas Lopez is a senior at Lincoln High School, excited to get started with his team. I am very hopeful that we are able to just come together as a huge community, not just like San Diego, but just worldwide able to help each other when we're in need. The high school teams have 10 weeks to design and execute their solutions and will be judged by a panel of experts in May. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Giant pandas could be back at the San Diego Zoo this summer. Environment reporter Eric Anderson says the popular bears will likely get a warm welcome. Michael Kim was visiting the zoo, and he's excited about the return of the black and white bears. They're beautiful to see, and uh, they're very curious animals. They like to play. The first hint this was happening came in November when China President Xi Jinping spoke publicly about the return of panda diplomacy. San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance's Ron Swaysgood says pandas left San Diego in 2019, but the research continued. We do have a very long history working with giant pandas in China, three decades and counting. And when we returned our pandas back to China, we did not sever our relationships or stop working on giant pandas. We've continued to collaborate with our partners in China. The zoo is in line to get a pair of pandas, one male and one female. Officials are still working on paperwork to complete the transfer, including a permit from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Writer Susan Orlean has been writing for The New Yorker for more than three decades and rose to fame when her book, The Orchid Thief, inspired the Spike Jones movie adaptation. She's the author of more than a dozen nonfiction books, including the library book about the 1986 fire in the L.A. Central Library and On Animals, a collection of her essays about creatures of all kinds and our relationships with them. She's part of the Writers' Symposium by the Sea this week and will be interviewed with Nick Hornby today. We heard from Hornby on the podcast earlier this week. Orlean spoke with my colleague, Julia Dixon-Evans. Here's their conversation. So in the book On Animals, we have a collection of long-form essays about animals, but I wanted to start at the very beginning with your introduction. You give us this little taste of your own fascination with animals, and not just pets, but definitely pets. Can you tell us about your lifelong love of animals and why beasts of all kinds are these topics that you keep returning to? 
I think um, at the basis of this is the kind of human fascination with aliens. I think it's since the beginning of time, there's been this curiosity about what would it be like if people from another planet landed here and would we be able to talk to them? And what if they were like us, but not quite like us? And what if we could communicate, but not in the conventional ways that we're used to communicating? Well, we already have that since (laughs) animals sort of provide us with this life form that you certainly know you can communicate with, but not in the traditional way that you communicate with humans. It's also invariably a reflection when I write about animals, but I, I think from the very beginning, it it brings out something very human in our interaction with animals. And you're almost more human when you are relating to a creature than when you're relating to other people. It's very unselfconscious. You just are who you are. So from the time I was a kid, I just always loved every kind of animal, both the typical pets of dogs and cats and hamsters and mice, but also uh, I loved livestock and I loved wild animals. I want to shift gears and talk just a little bit about the library book. This is an astonishing book that's about the massive 1986 fire in the Los Angeles Central Library, but it's also about the history of the library system in LA and the very strange characters who've passed through the ranks, but also about other lost archives. It struck me as a massive undertaking of research. What did you want that book to mean? It was a massive amount of research, and part of what caused it to be that, to answer your bigger question, is that I was trying to understand why the story drew me so much, and that Mm -hmm. that was what the book would mean. Why do we feel so affected in such a deep way at the destruction of a library more than we would feel about city hall burning or uh, you know many other parallel institutions that we might imagine being destroyed i don't think you have the same feeling that you have when you imagine books being destroyed a library being destroyed And that's what propelled me from the beginning. Why do books mean so much to us? Why do libraries mean so much? And as a consequence, why did this fire affect people so deeply, including me? And ultimately, it was a book about memory and what memory means to us, both the collective memory, which is what a library really is, And the act of creating a book, which is to make a permanent record of thought process. So you're you're sort of outsourcing memory (laughs) into this form of paper and ink. Uh, And we've been doing this literally since the beginning of time. 
So there's something really, really, really human about the act of creating books and the act of creating libraries. I'm wondering if over the last 25, 30 years, uh, throughout your career, if you have felt the media landscape change for the kind of long narrative essays that you write, the kind of books you write. Um, You've likely seen magazine culture change dramatically since the internet. But what about nonfiction writing in general? It's a different world. It really is. Sometimes I'm writing a memoir right now. And when I'm writing about the early days of my career and thinking about even the like the fact that I used to write on a typewriter and we would literally cut and paste stories and then desktop publishing came. And, you know, now obviously the Internet has completely changed the media landscape. I feel like the interest in long form narrative absolutely is there. I I don't see anything suggesting that people aren't interested in stories that unfold in a, a, a really expansive way. That was writer Susan Orlean, author of The Orchid Thief and On Animals, speaking with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Orlean will appear at Point Loma Nazarene University today at 7 p.m. Two years ago, Joel Cohen made the tragedy of Macbeth without his brother Ethan. Now Ethan has gone solo with Drive Away Dolls. Cinema junkie Beth Accomando says, together or apart, a Cohen film is always worth your attention. Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth had the craftsmanship and precision of a Cohen Brothers film, but served up a completely different vibe. With Drive Away Dolls, Ethan Cohen leaves his sibling on the side of the road, but delivers a film that has the pace, absurdity, and wacky characters that you've grown to expect in their collaborative works like Fargo and Raising Arizona. Drive Away Dolls is set in motion by a mysterious case. The case. I just want to know what's going on. I bet it's locked. And a pair of young women who accidentally get a drive away car containing the case from Curly. Don't call me Curly. And your name, Curly? My name is Curly. We just met. It's too familiar. Your car is a Dodge Aries. Oh, okay. Is that a good car? Not really. Drive Away Dolls is darkly comic, trippy, raunchy, and fun. It takes a few unexpected turns and delivers a spot-on cast of celebrity cameos and great character actors. It doesn't have a lot on its mind, but it offers a most diverting ride. Bafakamondo, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by Emmalyn Mohebi and edited by Brooke Ruth. We'd like to thank editor Joe Guerin for helping the podcast team this week. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again Monday to start the week together with the day's top stories. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com.